0: Good morning everybody, it's lovely to be with you. My wife sends her love and apologies, Um, her grand turned 86 yesterday, and so uh, her family is down from Johannesburg and are leaving later this morning, um, lunchtime, so she is uh, with them, but she told me specifically to please send her greetings and love. So if you are not familiar with my face, my name is Matt Johnson, I'm normally across at Stirling. But uh, this was my 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 home for a number of years. It still feels a bit like a a familiar space. So it's lovely to see you all. Lovely to see some new faces too, and nice to see you guys growing. And uh, I trusted this morning that uh, as we unpack the second part of uh, this this sermon series called Pursuing the Holy Spirit, that it's going to be meaningful for you, and that uh, you might be finding something here that you've been longing for, uh, perhaps your whole life, and wants an offer for you. yeah, uh, in God's Word this morning. So I am going to uh, just quickly refresh you on what we feel the Lord saying to us as SBC. Remember SBC consists of four congregations. Sterling there's the eight, the ten, and the six, and then the Precious Ridges out here. And uh, we feel the Lord saying to us three things under um, who we are as a church. And if you, anybody asks you, what is SBC about? SBC the Ridge, or the 8, the 10, the 6? It's a church that's called to love up, to love in, and to love out. Very simple, very simple. If you want to ask how you're doing in the Lord, those are the three things you've got to look at. And uh, the first is loving up is pursuing life in the Holy Spirit. We are totally and utterly convinced that what God is calling us to, we cannot do in ourselves. Isn't that releasing Isn't that wonderful? It does make us hungry and drive us to a certain thing. certain person called the spirit that we're going to look at today but the second is this is we believe that in loving in God's calling us to build committed community in other words we are more committed to a ministry or to even a building we're committed to each other and we build committed community um, and meaningfully together as as family brothers and sisters in Christ and the last is that uh, we are called to love out and uh, it's our prayer that as this year happens we're going to see many many ridges which you're very good at you know your neighbors that's one thing Beacon Bay is terrible at. When I moved away from uh, from Sunny Ridge, when I stayed in Cove Rock, everybody knows their neighbor here. It's wonderful. If you go down the road, oh, that's so-and-so, and and that's so-and-so, and and not so, Brian, I hope that this place is going to be packed up with lots of neighbors. Uh, We have the blessing of rubbing shoulders with people every day that God has put in our path for the gospel. And so um, without further ado, it's my uh, great privilege to unpack the first part of loving up. Which is pursuing life in the Holy Spirit. And last week, Joey unpacked a very, very, very important thing. Maybe for some of us here, when I talk about the Holy Spirit, you say, "What's on earth and is Matthew talking about?" It's a bit weird trying to think about a spirit, right? And we said last week, Joey said that he's a person. In other words, he's got a personality. He's not an it or a thing or an experience. I hope that's real for you today. When I talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about some electric current or, you know, like Star Wars, may the force be with you. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody who is as real as Mark Wood and uh, speaks and moves in our lives. And so the right response is understanding that he's God. He's one of the members of the Godhead. Is that we have to start by saying it's not what the Holy Spirit can do for us or how much we can get of the Holy Spirit. We have to start by saying, how much can the Holy Spirit have of me? That's the right response of worship. But today I want to unpack the second part, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. And really what we're trying to do is we're trying to come to grips with who this person is of the Spirit. But particularly today, this is very important. We have to recognize He does something. And why is that so important? It's because we have to realize... The absence of His work. When you know what He does and you don't see it in your life or in the church or in the world around you, you know that there's a bit of a problem. And when you see it happening, ah, you can go, yes, God's Spirit's here. You can start to celebrate His work when you see its presence. And, and the second thing is this is really today. If last week was the right response of starting with worship, the right response this week is recognizing how much we need the Holy Spirit. And that's where I want to start today is there are four fundamental principles around the work of the Holy Spirit that we need to see if we're going to understand how much we need Him in our life. And the first thing is, when we open up our Bibles, the first thing we see about the Holy Spirit is that wherever the Spirit is, He brings life. It is the most wonderful thing that when you open up the second verse, how many of you have tried to read your Bible from start to finish like myself and never quite finished after how many times of trying? And you open up Genesis chapter 1, not so, and you go, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And after the third chapter you're like, oh Lord, how many more of us ought to go? And you kind of find something else, not so. But we know the first two verses as well. Did you ever notice that you can't get past the first and the second verse of your Bible without hearing the Holy Spirit's? And what is the spirit doing? Oh, when he's close, he's hovering over this porridge called, this mush called pre-creation. And before the spirit works, there's darkness. What can live in darkness? Nothing, right? How many of you try to grow a plant in a a dark room? It dies. Not so? We have this awful plant in our house which we have to keep moving around and it keeps dying on us because we can't get the right place. Because the right place is it needs sunlight. Oh! And then you see suddenly... Where before the spirit moves, everything's a mess. Let me tell you, that's the truth of your life and mine. Before you encounter the Holy Spirit, life's a mess. Inside it's a mess, and it's like darkness. There is no life. And then suddenly, it's the most wonderful thing, God commands. God the Father says in verse two, or verse three, he says, "Let there be light." Oh! And suddenly there's light. Remember what Joey said last week? He said, when you look at the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Father is the great planner. He commands. Oh, but what brings the power for that command to come into being? It's the Holy Spirit. And this is the Father. Let there be light. This is the Spirit. And there was light. Now, just think about that for a moment. The second the Holy Spirit starts to work, there's life. There's power. I want to talk to you this morning about this wonderful 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 aspect of the Holy Spirit Psalm 104 verse 24 to 30 says guys when we finish church service today go outside and have a look who of you love to fish here come on put up your hands love to fish hey? is isn't it amazing you look across that ocean it's massive right and you throw that bait in okay well I wasn't a very good fisherman it felt like everything was dead in the ocean but some of you know what it's like to catch fish it's life it's alive just think about it for a moment he says, go outside and look, look at all the birds in the sky. When I, I had the blessing of being able to go to Mauritius once, and I went snorkeling, and there in the coral reef, there was just life. Any of you watch that BBC Blue Planet or any of those documentaries about the, the glory of creation? You look at the beauty of all the animals outside. You look at all the people. The psalmist says this, it says, That it came through the power of the Spirit. In Psalm 104 verse 30 it says, When you send forth your spirit, they were created and you renew the face of the ground. Do you want to know how powerful the Holy Spirit is? Look outside. Everything that has life has been touched by the Spirit. Do you know Mark's birth was enabled because the Spirit said, let it be so. I want to tell you a quick story about my life. Our little girl Sarah, she took a while to come. As parents and as a my wife's a doctor, and I'm a pharmacist, I know a lot about healthcare, and I know a lot about medicine that can help you fall pregnant. Let me tell you, we had to call on the name of the Lord. My wife was prayed for because God had to form Sarah in my wife's womb. I say to you today, guys. Scripture says, when you look at the power of the Spirit, it is all of creation is teeming with life because the Spirit brought it into being. And it says this. Not only does the Spirit bring life, but it also sustains all life. It says in verse 27 of one hundred and four Psalm 104, it says, these, All these creatures look to your hand for food in due season. And when God opens up His hand, there's life. But when He turns His face, there's death. And this is the principle. Where the Spirit works, there's life. But where the Spirit is absent, there's death. Job 34, verse 14 to 15 said, If God had to remove His Spirit from creation, everything would collapse. In the Old Testament, the spirit is called breath, the breath of God. And Job says, if God should set his heart to gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. So the first thing that we've got to realize is the work of the spirit is where the spirit is working, there's life. Oh, but when there's absence of the spirit, there's death. Don't you remember that scary story in Acts chapter 5 when Ananias and Sapphira came and lied to God? They were struck down dead because the spirit had removed life from their body. And so this is very, very important. How many of you are feeling dead this morning? How many of you feel like God is dead to you? You have prayed and prayed. It's like the famous thing, there's nothing. How many of you have been a part of a church that's dead Let me tell you what the problem is. The problem is the absence of the Holy Spirit's power. And today, my friend, it's not how much you can try and sweat and look good on church on Sunday. It's not how much the strategy of the ridge, you can have all the steak lights you like. Let me tell you now. You can do all the work and sweat of holiday clubs like SBC Sterling does. But without the power of the Spirit, let me tell you, it's dead. And people know it. And I want to point out to you today. If you are here by the will of God, my friend, if you are here because God has decided that you have breath, who are you accountable for with your life? You might say, What point is this God in heaven? What right does he have over my body? I'll tell you what rights he has. He has every right over you and me because why? We have his breath in us, and because he has given us life, we're accountable to him for how we live it. Not so? Isn't that incredible. One day, my friend, you and I are going to give an account for what we've done in the flesh because He has given us the very breath we have to live. So that's the first thing, is where the Spirit is, there's life. Where there's the absence of the Spirit, there's death. The second fundamental principle we see is wherever the Spirit is at work, God's presence is known. Wow, I want to point out to you today, we often look at the Holy Spirit only starting in Acts chapter 2. And maybe you've heard the story of that crazy moment with these flames, tongues of fire on these guys praying. And whoa, suddenly there's all this mighty move of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is at work. And uh, that first generation of Israelites who came out of, of Egypt... It was done in the power of the Spirit. One of the things I love about reading about the Old Testament is you get to see God's power in His Spirit at work. Can I quickly just give you some examples? Isaiah chapter 63, he's, in, he's, a, he's a prophet and Israel's in bad trouble. The absence of God is evident and he is one of the few people that God is speaking to the nation through. And he looks back and he says, guys, remember your glorious history. He says, don't you remember when the midst of God's Spirit was in the very camp of Israel? Don't you remember that awesome moment when Moses picks up his little staff? It's like a toothpick. And you've got two million Israelites behind him. And they're stuck. And he smacks the water of the Red Sea. And suddenly the Red Sea parts. And there on either side, you've got these walls of water. And they move through on dry ground. That was the power of the Spirit, my friend. Who would have liked to have been there? Out Lord. Hey? Yo! And then, he's not done yet. He says every day... There was this pillar of cloud that would come. And the beauty of this cloud, it was the presence of the Spirit. Imagine this. Just remember what these guys were walking through. They weren't walking through Stutt Forest. How many of you have been to Stutt Forest? Yet. I was there yesterday. It's beautiful. You're walking. It's just lush shade. All these wonderful plants, streams of water. The town's are looking so good, but we're praying about that. But Sadaham is this glorious. It wasn't like Stutt. It was a wilderness. It was a desert. Anybody been to Namibia or something like Northern Cape or the Karoo? Is there lots of water there? Let me tell you, it's hot, right? And at night, it is freezing cold. Anybody camped in the desert? Felt like I have a few times. Here is this pillar of cloud by day. It would bring shade to these Israelites, and it would stop. And everybody would have to stop until this cloud would move and say, kind okay, it's time to go. And at night, it would be a pillar of, cl- of fire so that when it was freezing cold, the people would feel all warm. Don't you think it was amazing to have God's presence with them in the camp? Who would have you liked that? I would have loved that, right? He might say, imagine over which truck must I work on next. Over which people must have disciplined next. My dad never seemed to have a problem. He seemed to have a Holy Spirit discernment of which child needed to, to needed some help. But guys, today, these men walked and these women walked with this spirit in the midst of them, as Isaiah, as Isaiah 63 says. And you know what it was? Moses built this little tent. God gave him the pattern. And what would happen is he would get up in the morning and everyone would come out of their tents. And they watched Moses walk into this tent. And this pillar of cloud would come on this tent. And Moses would be in the Spirit of God. And he would come out. And when he came out, he would be shining. That so much so. He would be terrified. All the people would be terrified. They would tell Moses, you've got to avail yourself because the glory of the Lord was in the midst of that tent. And when Moses came out, he was changed. I'll tell you, else, I'll tell you what else the Spirit would do. There was a moment when finally Israel came to the promised land and there was this temple. Remember Solomon? He had 900 wives don't know how he afforded that, but anyway, he must have been super rich. 900 wives. Imagine that. And he prays for the glory of the Lord to fill this temple. And the priests were in the temple. It was so powerful. They had to run out of the holy place because the glory of the Lord, the Spirit, had come and dwelt in this temple. Don't you think if you were a Jew, M, don't you think that if you were in Jerusalem, you'd be comforted knowing that God was in the city? That when you lifted up your prayers to the temple or when you offered your sacrifice, you knew God's Spirit was there. He was with us. We're going to be okay. God's in the camp. Now, the fundamental principle is when the Holy Spirit is present, you get a sense of God is here. The third fundamental principle is this, is that when the Holy Spirit is at work, there is power. You know what I love about the Old Testament is that there's a bunch of skirminkles They're all these weak people. None of them are, are great. Let me tell you, they weren't very intelligent. You know that Moses had a stutter. Anybody here struggles to speak eloquently. Like if you had to say, like Mark always challenged me, Matt, share your testimony, share your testimony. Have you shared your testimony? And you're like, I stutter. Imagine being asked to lead two million people and you can't talk properly. Imagine having the a a criminal record of being a murderer, my friend, that's what was Moses. He killed somebody. And God says, I want you. Let me tell you he used the a prostitute called Rahab was used by the Spirit of God. Anybody got a shady background? If anyone to find out and turn to those BC chapters in your life, you go, maybe they won't be so impressed with uh, me taking communion this morning. Let me tell you, if that is you this morning, God is not interested in your intellect. He's not interested in your capacity, your physical strength, or your your talents. What He's interested in is, do you have a heart to be used by Him? Because when He taps you on the shoulder, all that matters is whether or not you respond. Wow! Because what makes a difference in your life is it your brilliance? Is it your beauty? Is it how nice you talk? Is it the way how much you know the Bible or how much you can pray my friend if you read scripture over and over again the distinguishing mark of anybody did anything for God was that the Holy Spirit was on them the Holy Spirit took a man like Joshua who had to lead 2 million people into the promised land and gave him wisdom to do it Numbers 27 verse 18, these judges, if you want to read the book of Judges, the most depressing but also the most fascinating book, these men would be picked by the hand of God and there were nobodies before the Holy Spirit came on them. Let me tell you now, if you want some encouragement, read the story of Gideon. Who remembers the story of Gideon? Yeah, I'll tell you if you don't because I love it. Here's this guy. He's a little wimp. There's nothing else you can do to describe him. he is so scared of Israel's enemies that he's standing, I think, in a wine press, and he's trying to grind his wheat because he's worried that someone's going to come and steal it. And this angel comes and says, "Gideon, you mighty warrior," and Gideon looks behind his shoulder. Me? You? And he says, don't you know my life? I'm the weakest of the weakest. He literally goes like this. I'm from the weakest tribe, from the weakest clan, from the weakest family, and I'm the weakest in my family. And basically, you can't get weaker than me. You've made a mistake. And what happens is he has to take his little lappy, his little sheepskin, and he says, I'll test, test, test. Let me tell you, even the Lord is so patient, but eventually Gideon takes up the call. And in Judges chapter 6, verse 34, at every single point, whatever the judge is, this is what it said. For Gideon in particular, it says, But the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he was never the same again. Thank you, Brian. Amen. Let me tell you. When you look at these men in the Old Testament and these women, King Saul was a nobody, but the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him as 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6 predicted. King David wasn't even there in the lineup of his brothers. Imagine that. Imagine, here's my dad. I love him so much, and I, and I had a brother. I don't, luckily, so I'm his favorite son. But imagine this. When there was the call-up, he forgets about me that I even exist. And he makes me do the, the most menial job. Shepherds in the test, Old Testament, they were the ones that cleaned the toilets. If there was ever a duty of doing your chores at home and you didn't like your child, that's the thing that you make them do, is you had to do the job nobody else wanted. And let me tell you this, King David, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. I love that. God has a sense of humor. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. How many of you have read the book of Psalms here? Some of the Psalms. How many of you, that's your favorite scripture, Psalm 23. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. was written by him through the power of the Spirit these men were changed and if you look at the precedent of the prophets and all of these great men they were empowered not because of their natural brilliance because of the supernatural grace on their life that was coming to them by the power of the Spirit amen friends even these men and women let me tell you now in the Old Testament and they lived under the old covenant which means it was inferior to what we have in Jesus The pattern is they could do nothing without the Spirit of God. Can you? You see, what these men and women realized was even this wonderful sense of God's power coming in through the Spirit, bringing life, And God's power coming in the Spirit, bringing the very presence of God. And God's power coming in the Spirit, bringing power for service and power to move in this nation forward in the things of God and destroy its enemies and build temples and achieve great things for His name. Let me tell you now, they knew that what they had experienced was only just the beginning, and so much more was on its way. Can I tell you now, if Moses was here, he would be so jealous. Because what he got to experience in the tent or tabernacle was suddenly made possible for any Christian to experience in the quietness of their own bedroom, kneeling down. Because what these old prophets and old men and women of the Old Testament realized, they realized, They were just getting a taste, and God was promising something much more. And it was going to come. And if you read in your Bibles, you will notice that as you move through the Old Testament, and as you see the collapse of Israel's religion and the collapse of Israel's devotion, these men and women were looking forward to a future moment when God was going to do something so powerful by the Spirit. And it's explained like this in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26-27, to where God says, And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And this is the beauty of it, verse 27 of Ezekiel chapter 36. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. There will come a time when God wouldn't put his spirit just in a place called a temple. He was going to put it in his people. And this spirit of God would not be a a sort of uh, uh, sub-contracted spirit. It would be the very presence of God himself. And no longer would we walk around a building so that we would have to kind of know if we have to go there three times a year to offer up some sacrifice so we can get close to the spirit of God. No, no, the spirit of God was going to be in us. And we're going to take us to new heights of godliness, that he would teach us what pleased God and what didn't. And Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29 said this, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons, oh, I pray this for Elijah, and your daughters, I pray this for Sarah, shall prophesy, and your old men, isn't that wonderful dad? Old men shall dream dreams. I'm teasing you. You can laugh. My dad loves me. I get away with too much. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, on those days I will pour out my spirit. On domestic workers, after those who have got no education, on old grannies and grandpas, on those that are qualified and those who are not qualified, those who have. Greatness, well, there would be no exception. There's going to come a time, Jesus, I mean, the prophet says that the Lord will pour out His Spirit on the greatest to the least, regardless of social, economic, demographic, race, does not matter. There was going to come a wonderful time when everybody would have access to the power of the Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? Because in the Old Testament, only a group of priests got to experience it. And suddenly God's saying, No, no, this is for you, it's coming. Well, I'm almost there. The fourth and final principle I want to point out before we look at the life of Christ is that when the Spirit is working, you get a sense of either the pleasure or displeasure of God. This is a mighty thing. The Holy Spirit reflects the pleasure and displeasure of God. Friends, I challenge you this year, if you want to set yourself a challenge, this is the book that you need to read. And as you read through the Old Testament, let me point out something very, very important. The work of the Holy Spirit was not automatic in God's people. Their response, whether they were obedient or whether they had faith, determined how much he worked. Now, let me explain this to you. Do you remember that first generation of Israelites that I told you about? Who got to experience the Holy Spirit in the very midst of their camp, Man, the Holy Spirit gave them breakfast every morning called manna. Brought quail in. The Holy Spirit had... Imagine this, I was thinking about it. I have kids that keep growing. You have to keep buying new clothes. For 40 years, God made sure none of the Israelites had to shop by the power of the Spirit. If you think about all that God did for them, and all of the evidence of God's Spirit inside at work within them as a people... There came a moment when God said, After all of my years of faithfulness, I'm needing you to show obedience and faith. There's the promised land. That's where your promise is. That's where I need you to go. And they send out is it 10 spies or 12? I can't remember. Twelve spies, that's right. Twelve spies. And two of them come back called Caleb and Joshua saying, this is the land. We're going to take it. Come on, let's go. God's with us. All of these last two or three years, God has proven himself over and over and over. He's with us. He's with us. He's with us. And the ten other ones say, no way, Jose. Too big. Too powerful. Too difficult. Too complicated. There's no ways we're ever going to do this. And the people believed those who doubted. And let me tell you what happened according to Isaiah. Isaiah tells us in chapter 63 verse 10, he said, But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, and therefore he turned to be their enemy, and himself fought against them. What happened was, they missed their moment. And when they saw what they wanted, they realized suddenly, Oops, we've made a mistake, we want to go into the promised land, we've got to get there. Let's go everybody. And Moses said, Don't go, God's not with you. God's Spirit's not going before you. They said, no, 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 God's promise. Let's go. Come on, everyone, let's go. And they all try to take the promise down, and they get slaughtered, because God said to them, I've come to you over and over, and you've resisted my Spirit. And he had to wait for that second generation to rise up, because they rebelled against what the Spirit was doing. Remember that guy called Samson? That guy who was super strong. He could break gates and, and do amazing things. He was the guy with the very long hair. Not so? Do you remember what happened with Samson? He loved that foxy lady called Delilah. Not so? And he liked to play with fire as far as he could go. And the mark of his strength was the length of his hair because that was the sign that at least in one area of his life he was being obedient to God. And then one day Delilah gets him. And she cuts his hair. And Judges chapter 16 verse 20 said, The Philistines, she says when they break into the home and Delilah um, has bound him up. And she, she, she taunts him. She wakes him. and She says, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. He got used to the spirits working in his life. Oh, but then this devastating next line comes. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And this man, who was so powerful and strong, it had nothing to do with his physical strength. It came from the power of the Spirit in his life because of his obedience. And when he allowed his hair to be cut, the disobedience factor that came in, the Spirit was grieved and, oh wow, left him. Until when? That day near the end of his life. It's the most encouraging thing. If that's been the story of your life, you've been rebelling against God. Let me tell you, God can be so merciful. You know the story, his hair starts to grow and the Philistines forget to cut it. And he's standing there. And by the power of God, he has one last chance in his life to do what God had called him to do. And he does it. But the point is this friends, we cannot get over familiar with the Holy Spirit in our lives because what happens is there can be a sense of we lose the reverence of his presence. And let me tell you, he's affected by our faith. Why should you not? Let me be careful here. Why does it matter the way you live when you leave this building? Why does it matter the way you speak? Why does it matter what you do with your body? Why does it matter the way that you love people and treat people? Why does it matter that this becomes your bread and butter? Why does it matter that you pray? Let me tell you, you are aware that none of this is possible in your own strength. And there is this powerful Holy Spirit that's in your life. And if He's grieved, you're done for. If that's the way you live, it starts to make you li- that's the way you it starts to make you live differently, not so? I want to point out to you today that the Israelites... The Israelites did not get this right. Acts chapter 7 verse 51 to 53 says, when Stephen is currently being stoned, he says, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. And he says, Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced before in the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. What's Stephen saying? He says, cause. You've been stiff-necked to the Spirit. When God has come to you over and over again, you've resisted Him. And Now, why do I talk about that today? Because that's not what we are. That's not the kind of people we want to be. We want the power of the Spirit in our lives, not so? Let me tell you. Let me tell you something quickly. Until we as a church understand That nothing was achieved for God in Scripture without the help of the Holy Spirit. Oh, we will never be needy for Him, not so. You know what my concern is? Is you and I reduce our Christian walk to a few tick boxes that need to get done. Can I tell you that the danger for me is the same danger for you is you think all that you're actually called to in Christ is just to be a good person. Can I tell you, I know Muslims who are great people. I know Hindus who are great, better people than I am. Welcome me into their home, when I worked with them in Cape Town, a number of guys of different religions, even atheists, let me tell you, they did better jobs of loving their friends than what I did. Guys, God is not calling us just to be good people. If that is the sum total of what we think we have been called to, let me tell you, you will have no need for Jesus. In actual fact, heaven will be close to you because what do you need to be saved from? If, if it's all about just being good, we can do that ourselves, can't we? Can I tell you what God is calling us to? It is to a life that is impossible within ourselves. Let me tell you, This thing of being called to love up, love in, love out. If you take it seriously, it will drive you to your needs in prayer. Owen works with very difficult people. Not Not so, Owen? Him and I have conversations about when we're called to love, guys... And not just love them if they love us back. No, no. To love up, to love in, to love out. In other words, you know what, loving up is loving your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That means when you're tired. That means when you're frustrated. That means when you're weary. doesn't matter what the context is. Every aspect of your life is given in total devotion to God. Anybody do that in their natural selves? How about this? Loving in. How about loving the brother next to you that really annoys you? Do you know what? One thing I've realized about family is you can never choose them. No, sir? So? We've just come out of Christmas. Isn't that the crazy time when you've got the crazy uncle coming down, the one that eats too much and never does anything, always goes to sleep, and everybody else is tidying up? You've got all these crazy people that come down and invade your home. Do you love all of them equally? <laughs> 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 I anyway,' mean, Marie. the only honest one here. Friends, how about loving out? Oh, God, help us. Let me tell you, there are many things in our hearts. Instead of loving our fellow South Africans, we hate them. Let me just push a little bit here this morning. Ridges, we have got hateful attitudes in our hearts to certain South Africans that are called as fellow citizens in this country. we're called to love equally. that are called equal before God. You know what we tend to do? You know what I do? We put layers to our love. We put layers to our love for God. We'll say, God, you can have this little area, but the rest is all mine. We put layers in those we choose to love. I'll attend church. I'll kind of do what I want to do on my terms, but really am I committed to my brother and sister's well-being? Not really. This is about me. Well, how about when we think about these South African neighbors of ours, that God says, I didn't put you in New Zealand. I didn't put you in Australia. I didn't put you in the UK. I put you here. And if you believe in a sovereign God, my friend, that's my my conversation with God, is going, if I was born a South African, don't you think God's behind that? If I was put here in son, and I was sovereignly brought to this city. And the greatest thing that happened to me in this, in this city was to come to Sunny Ridge and to live in this area. Let me tell you, you've got something special here, guys. I go to Stirling. There is something missing that side of the river that you guys have got. And I want to point out to you today, when are we going to start to see that the life that God is calling us to, it's the most exciting life. I want to tell you, some of us here are so bored. We wake up and we, you know when you start to moan and complain, it's because you're so bored. You know when my daughter starts to moan and complain is when she's bored. Daddy, won't you come and do something with me? i am going to read a book. That's what we like spiritually. You know when Christians start to complain is they lack challenge. It lacks, there's, any, there's a lack of purpose. Let me tell you. When you start to realize that God has summoned you here, riches, placed you here to love Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that means your sole purpose in your life is to get to know Him better than the person next to you. Your whole life is poured out as a pleasing offering to God saying, It's all yours. When you start to realize that God has put you in this church, not for what you can get out of it, because these are your brothers. And when you start to realize there's an absence of the Spirit, oh man, maybe in yourself and in your brothers and sisters, it starts to bug you. You start to see that the normal Christian life is that these people were Spirit-filled, Spirit-empowered. There was life in their fellowship, life in their witness, life in their worship. You start to realize there's something missing. I've got to pray. I've got to pray that this congregation becomes alive in the Spirit, because its absence means that there's death. Oh, and what does that really affect? It affects God's glory here. It affects our witness here. Don't you want to grow a bigger ridge? Don't you want to grow a deeper ridge? Don't you want to grow a higher ridge? Let me tell you how it's going to happen. It comes through pursuing the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Die to the good life. Be resurrected to the godly. You know what my prayer is for us this morning? Is that we would learn to see our need for the Lord and enjoy it. you know what the benefit of living like this is? Is when you start to realize this is God in and through you at work. You can have faith for anything. Phyllis was sharing this morning about the power of God. There in her sickness, she cries out to God. And she realizes, it's not the doctors. She takes a medication. she does, a, But she realizes, God can do this for me. She's crying out. He can do anything. You know what's going to give you faith, riches For the future, for the suburb, for your life, for changing addictions, changing habits, changing behaviors, having you a whole new outlook on your life. It's when you start to realize it's God's power at work within you. Don't you know that verse is, greater is he that is in me? Then he that's in the world, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that wonderful? How many of us here wake up in the morning like myself and you feel so weak, you feel so inadequate, you feel so insecure, rubbish? You are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Friend, if you start to look at your life through the eyes of the Spirit, anything is possible. You know, someone shared last week, I'm going to be open here, it was Joey's mom. Joey Prince, who stands up here, she shared last week at the 8 o'clock at turning. she said, I was addicted to alcohol. I was in absolute bondage. She says, the day I found Christ, he touched my life. I was never the same again. She said, the Holy Spirit touched my life and I was set free. Her son is evidence of the grace of God. Doesn't that give you hope? Doesn't that still do you for the person you're praying for, die? You're desperate for them to come to God. It's not Da's brilliance of how much she can get this so right and so perfect. It's God, Scripture says, making His appeal through die. As she faithfully takes up her voice and her heart and her mind, she does her best for Jesus. She knows a little bit about sin and needing the cross and being saved and saying, I'll tell you what God did for me. When she starts to realize God's Spirit can grip this person. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by His Spirit. Do you, know you think gives her boldness? That when you are praying, you are shaping things in the heavens. And even the Holy Spirit's helping you to pray. Doesn't that give you power? So many of us here yeah, know what it's like to long for something for the Lord, from the Lord. Can I say to you today, this week, before you ask Him for help with your children, or with your grandchildren, with your colleagues, say, God, I'm coming to you this week. I'm in need. I need the power of your Spirit. Can I tell you, it's not complicated. You might say, how do I access this? How do I live? Let me tell you, it starts by being needy. Amen? It starts by, sim- it's the most simple prayer. When you read in the New Testament, it's not complicated. They don't have to wait five years of biblical instruction. It starts by saying, I see my need for this empowering of the Spirit. God, give it to me. God, give it to me. And I tell you what, this Spirit, Holy Spirit night coming up, Let me tell you one thing. As I'm standing here, I'm in need of God because I know without God opening his hand, we get nothing of the Spirit. We can play nice little chords and instruments and try and wangle nice production and programs. Let me tell you, you've got to be needy. Amen? You've got to come before God and say, God, I understand there's a dimension to my life. Unless I have the Holy Spirit, what hope do I have? And let me tell you, it will lead to such joy. You know the difference is when Marie starts to realize she's got the Holy Spirit inside of her, it makes a person of such peace. Do you know why? Because when she walks into those difficult conversations, she believes the Holy Spirit's going to lead her. When she's faced at work, I don't know if you still work, Debbie. It's Debbie, hey? Do you still work? She's got some difficult things she's got to tackle. You know, when you live by the Holy Spirit, there's peace. There's rest. God's going before you. Let me tell you, Owen has walked the journey of having, can I share them quickly, just quickly, of chemo. Of not knowing what the outcome's going to be. Let me tell you, Owen, having the power of the Spirit in his life, is even able to face death and say, God, is anything stronger than you? My life is in your hands. Peace. By the Spirit. That's the glory of being a Christian, my friend. I want to live for that. I don't want to live for some boring religion where everything is just about some regulation, some routine or some ritual. And hopefully, maybe one day you'll make it. Friends, I'm preparing the the, the ground for Joey next week, but can I just say to you today, This Christian religion, it's a bad term, this Christian faith, it is birthed in need. You start the Christian faith by understanding you've got no ability to do what God requires of you to get to heaven. Is that you this morning? Do you believe that your good works are going to get you to heaven? Good luck, my friend second salvation comes is the second you see this is my only hope it's Jesus it's Jesus and this morning that's what we're going to do this is symbolic of what we hold to as a church this fruit juice it's symbolic of Christ's blood this bread is symbolic of his body if you have not come to the place of saying if I had to ask you today if you get summoned to heaven, what would your uh, answer be to God when he says, well, I shall I let you in. If it's, I'm a good person. If it's, uh, I've tried really hard. No, it's Christ has died. That's got to be your answer. If you're not there yet, and there's something inside of you kicking against that, this is not for you just yet, and we want to help you get to that place. But this is for somebody who is needy, my friend. It's needy. And you're birthed that way in Christ. And you are kept that way in Christ. That's how it works, is you never stop needing His empowering. And today, I'm going to cut, I'm going to, Brian forgive me, I'm just going to pray and we're going to move into communion quickly, is that okay? So I'm just going to pray on behalf of the elements. I don't want to take up too much more time. But church, as we take the cup and the bread this morning, I want you to ask yourself, Lord, what is my level of need before you this morning? Okay? No heavy, don't worry. If there's no need, say, Jesus, as I'm taking this bread and this cup, as I've needed you for salvation, give me a fresh need again for your spirit. Do you say that to him? Awaken me again. I need you. For those of you that are going, I'm there, I need it, I, I need. Do you know what gives you access to the Holy Spirit? It's the grace of God. As you coming and repenting of sin. If there's anything in your life that you know is grieved the Spirit, deal with it now. Don't get complicated. Don't get depressed. Don't feel guilty. This is the thing that makes you ready to receive the fullness of the Spirit. And you say, you bring it to the Lord today. You say, Jesus, would you give me what you paid for with your body and blood? I'm longing. I'm desperate for more of your Spirit. Amen? All right. So let's enjoy this time together. I'm going to ask Brian and Mark, would you come and just hand out the elements? And uh, I'm going to ask you to hold on to the elements. And then we're going to eat and drink together in joy, right? We're going to trust the Lord together for this journey that we're on with the Holy Spirit. That He's going to come and lead us. Once you've got the cup and the bread, just close your eyes and just come to before the Lord. Let's keep our, 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 our attention on Jesus this morning. Ridge, I just sense the Lord this morning saying that what you're holding in your hand, this bread and this cup, is what's brought you the right for the Holy Spirit in your life. And I just sense the Lord saying to you, Ridge, I have paid the price for you to enjoy my spirit. And for you this morning to have great encouragement that the Lord has given you the spirit to be enjoyed, to be pursued, to be experienced. And the payment for this privilege is in your hands. Christ has died. So that you might enjoy the fruits of his resurrection which is the sending of the Holy Spirit he is your privilege he is your right that's the word he is your birthright and I just sense for some of us here we want the Holy Spirit but we really feel quite weak we feel quite sinful we feel quite unable Lord. but I pray today Lord Jesus for anybody here that is doubting whether or not you're wanting to move in their life by the power of the Spirit would you give them comfort And would you give them confidence this morning as they hold these symbols of the body and blood of Christ, that the Spirit is for them through Jesus. That for some of us here, we're disappointed with our lives. Maybe your whole life you look back and say, this hasn't been the life that I've experienced, but you want it, but you're feeling a little bit shy. I just pray this morning, Lord, if there's anybody here that's holding back because they feel they're not worthy, Lord, I ask that Jesus, your body and blood would give them great confidence. That, Lord, if they're a child of God this morning, the Spirit is for them. The Spirit is for them. And so, Lord, you know that I've nudged a bit this morning. But, God, it's only that we might see our need for this precious gift of the Spirit. And I pray that as a church, we would grow in the joy of knowing what it means to walk by the Spirit. Of our leaning into Him, we'd become a church of prayer. A church that pursues what really is life. A church that understands the anointing of the Holy Spirit that becomes a people that are empowered with the living God. That when people see us, they would see the glory of God that this world is looking for, coming by the mark of the Spirit's power upon His people. We pray this in your precious name. So let's eat together, let's drink together, let's rejoice together. Let's take the cup and the bread. And once you've done let's just stand. Father, we rejoice in you this morning. We thank you that, Lord, again, you've opened our eyes to see what it means to enter into the abundant life where, God, you know the call is great, but, oh, God, the power to live it is greater. And God, I pray today that as we go, we'll go rejoicing in our hearts, knowing that what we are speaking about here, it's available for the Christian. And when we leave this place with our prayer, with the prayer resounding in our heart, Lord, give us more of your spirit. Lead us, teach us, empower us, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.